All right, we are continuing our study tonight called Activate. We are learning to put our faith into action. That's something on some level every one of us struggles with. We have faith, but that faith, that belief, often rests in our life without ever turning into action. It is so common in the church to have someone who would say, I believe, but their lives are not changed in accordance with what they believe in. On some level, every one of us in this room struggles with that. But there's also probably some of us who struggle with that more than others. That's something that we need to be aware of as we continue in this study. We've titled our, our last few weeks, Faith Works. Faith works, and we are going to continue that tonight. This is part three of Faith Works. As we've been walking through this study, we've seen some principles over the last couple of weeks that have shown us the significance and the importance of that statement. Faith works. In week one of our study, we saw the following truth. In part one of Faith Works, we saw that appreciation without application is self-deception. Appreciation without application is self-deception. That's from James 1.22 where he says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but also be a doer of the word. If you're just a hearer, you delude yourself. You're like a man that looks in the mirror and he walks away and he doesn't even remember all the problems he just saw with his face. So he can't fix himself. The word of God is the same way. It tells us what's wrong with us. And, and, and if we're just a hearer and not a doer, we look at the word of God, we see what we need to change, but we walk away unchanged. That is indicative of someone whose faith is not working. In fact, James chapter 2 that we saw last week tells us that that's indicative of a man whose faith is dead. And that was the second principle that we saw in, in part two of Faith Works. We saw that saving faith is always accompanied by supporting works. <laughs> saving faith is always accompanied by supporting works. In other words, any time that faith is genuine, that it's saving, there are always works in that person's life that support that faith. They point to that faith. They proclaim that faith. We saw last week that faith is never invisible. It's absolutely something that's internal, but you can see someone's faith. You know how you see their faith? You see it through their works. Because saving faith is always accompanied by supporting works. Well, tonight in part three of this study that we're titling Faith Works, we're going to see the following statement. Throughout history, genuine faith has led to bold decisions of faithfulness. Throughout history, genuine faith has led to bold decisions of faithfulness. We're going to see that truth revealed tonight in Hebrews chapter 11. So why don't you guys open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're actually going to be going through this whole chapter tonight. We're going to have to move quickly to accomplish that goal. Hebrews chapter 11, our third and really final stand, supporting the fact that faith works. Hebrews chapter 11. 
Normally, I read through our passage that, uh, that I'm going to preach through every night, but this is a really long one, and we're going to walk through every verse really quickly. So um, we're just going to jump right into this passage in Hebrews chapter 11 and begin to walk through and see all that the author of Hebrews would have his readers to know, specifically in regards to the fact that faith manifests itself in works. In verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 11, we see kind of a, almost a definition of what faith is. The author writes, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what, was, what is seen was not made out of the things that are visible. In those verses, the author of Hebrews teed up what he's going to talk about for the rest of this chapter, and that is the topic of faith. Now, you may, again, hear that we're going to talk about faith tonight and think, I thought we were talking about activating faith. Well, that's exactly where Hebrews chapter 11 is going to go. Because what he's going to show us is that when faith is genuine, it's always activated. It always has works. And that throughout history, it's always been that way. Throughout history, genuine faith has led to bold decisions of faithfulness. So he starts, he starts this chapter by giving us a working understanding of what faith is, but more specifically, what faith does. What faith produces in those who have it. That's what he says in verse 1. That faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. In other words, when faith is in you, that faith brings both assurance and conviction. Faith brings confidence. Faith brings a certainty about the thing in which faith is placed. See, others from the outside may look at your faith and think, that makes no sense. Why would you place your faith in Jesus Christ? But to those who have faith, there is both assurance and confidence. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. He continues to talk about what faith accomplishes when it's in somebody. Look at, look at verse 2. For by it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. It's a really significant statement that, for lack of a better term, he says the old men, what he's pointing to is those who have died, gained the approval of God by faith. Those who have died were saved by faith. It's an important question and one that will um, undoubtedly come up in your minds tonight as we're talking about faith and we're talking about the Old Testament, how people in the Old Testament were saved. You know how old people, how people in the Old Testament were saved? Faith. Just like we are today. They were saved by the grace of God through faith in God. That's what the author of Hebrews is saying in verse 2. By faith, by it, the men of old, they gained approval from God. God approved of them. God found pleasure in them because of their faith. What's going to become clear in this chapter tonight is that you and those who live in the church today are not the only ones who are called to have faith. You are not the only ones who are called to trust in someone that you cannot see. The scriptures are filled to the brim with stories of men and women of faith. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. We saw in James chapter 2 the statement, show me your faith by your works. That's how you show someone your faith, by your works. 
based on someone's works, you can identify whether or not they have faith. Well, we're going to look at the faith of people from the Old Testament. And you may ask the question, how are we going to look at their faith? Faith is invisible. And I want to call you to remember, no, it's not. Now, show me your faith by your works. So how are we going to look at the faith of people in the Old Testament? We're going to look at their works. We're going to look at their works. And what we're going to see is that they had bold decisions of faithfulness. Because throughout history, genuine faith has always led to bold decisions of faithfulness. There are no shortage of examples. We're not going to look at one or two people tonight. Uh, This is going to be one of the longest sermon outlines, maybe the longest sermon outline I've ever preached. Okay, so here we go. 28 examples. 28 examples of an activated faith. 28 examples of an activated faith. Now, some of you hear that we're doing 28 examples and you feel like crying like that baby in the back, but we're going to move quickly, okay? We're going to move fast. So hold on tight and pay attention because this is story time. And it's not like a quick story with a beginning and end. It's 28 different stories, but they're all bound by the same thing. And that is that it is an activated faith in the life of 28 people from the Old Testament. Here we go. Number one, the first example of an activated faith is Abel's sacrifice. Abel's sacrifice. In Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to be giving you the reference to all of these, but if we turn back and read them, we'll be here till midnight. So just if you want to look into these stories, write down the reference that I'm going to give you for where these stories are told. Abel's sacrifice in verse 4 is told in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4 is the story of Cain and Abel. And in that scene, God commands Abel and Cain to give a sacrifice to him. We're not told all the details of what that command included, But we know that Abel and Cain knew that they had to sacrifice to God. Well, Abel and Cain brought two different sacrifices. Cain brought a sacrifice of of some fruits and vegetables. Abel brought a sacrifice of the best of his flock, the the best animals that he had raised. God found pleasure in Abel's sacrifice. And God found displeasure in Cain's sacrifice. If you remember what happened, how how God affirmed Abel and God rejected Cain and Cain got mad and killed his brother. And though Abel was dead, what we read in verse 4 is that his testimony still stands strong. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he, Abel, still speaks. Every one of these stories is going to begin with the statement, by faith. You say, Abel offered this sacrifice, and one of the earliest days of history, Genesis chapter 4. What does that have to do with anything? The first two words are why that matters. Because Abel offered his sacrifice by faith. Abel had faith in God. And when Abel offered his sacrifice, God received it. Not necessarily, we don't know all that was in this command. We don't know if God rejected it because it was a lamb or or because Cain's was fruits and vegetables. We don't know all of that. Here's what we know. Cain did not offer his sacrifice in faith. Abel did. Abel was killed for his sacrifice of faith. And though he is dead, 
his example still reigns through today. That's what's said in verse 4. Though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel had an activated faith. He believed God. You know what? Because he believed God, God saw Abel as righteous. This is going to be really important tonight, and we'll see this a lot. Abel was not saved. He was not called righteous because of his sacrifice. Look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice to God than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. I want to watch those words really carefully. Did Abel obtain righteousness through his sacrifice? No, he didn't. Through his sacrifice, Abel obtained a testimony of his righteousness. That's what verse 4 says. In other words, when he sacrificed, that sacrifice testified that he had faith. The sacrifice didn't save him. The faith saved him. And his sacrifice pointed to his faith. That's going to be true in every single example that we see tonight. It's true of Abel. It's also true of Enoch. A second example of an activated faith is Enoch's ascension to heaven. That's in verse 5. Enoch's ascension to heaven. If you want to see the story of Enoch's ascension to heaven, it's in Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21 through 24 is the story of Enoch's ascension to heaven. What happens in that story is that Enoch ascends to heaven. That's, that's all we know. Like, you see Enoch and you're like, man, must be some cool story associated with Enoch. Here's what we know about Enoch. He never died. He just ascended to heaven. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. What we're told in Genesis 5 verses 21 through 24 is that Enoch walked with God. That's all we know about his life. He walked with God. And because he walked with God, which to truly do so can only be done in faith because you cannot see God. So Enoch walked. In other words, he lived with God. He, he, he lived a life that was glorifying to God. He lived a life of obedience to God. Because he walked with God, God did not let Enoch, did not let Enoch see death, but raised him to heaven, ascended him to heaven, and that Enoch is still there today. Enoch walked with God. And Enoch was rewarded. You know why Enoch was rewarded? Because he did what he did by faith. A third example. Noah's Ark. Noah's Ark. Let's read uh, verse 7. As we're told what Noah did by faith. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. The story of Noah's ark is told in Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6 is the story of Noah's ark. Most of you probably know this story. Noah was told by God that a flood was coming. Water had never 
fallen from the sky onto the earth. Rain wasn't a thing yet. But a flood was coming, God tells Noah, build an ark. Build an ark. Which is a crazy command. Like, we know the story. We know how it ends, so we get it. But, like, Noah, what on earth, man? There's water coming from the sky. Build a boat. You want to talk about needing faith to do something that was going to take decades to accomplish? Noah had faith. Because he lived in an evil world. His family was the only righteous family on the world. We're told that he had faith. You know what that means? He believed God. When God said a flood's coming, build an ark, Noah took him at his word. You know what he started doing? He started building an ark. You know how he started doing it? By faith. Trusting God. Believing God. He builds an ark. People are ridiculing him. What what, what are you doing? Water is going to come from the sky? Noah presses on by faith. And he's an example for us that faith works. Number four. Number four, we're going to transition into Abraham here for a few points. Abraham's departure from Ur. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So what we're told in verse 8 is, is a story in, uh, in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be kind of in Genesis chapter 12 through 13 uh, for, for, for a few points here. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham shows up for the first time in the Old Testament. Abraham shows up and God just comes to Abraham and he says, hey, leave. Leave. I want you to go somewhere. But by the way, I'm not going to tell you where I want you to go. I want you to get up, pack up your family, pack up your things, and go to a place where I'm going to reveal to you. Talk about a crazy command. Again, we know how the story ends. But Abraham's just like, he's just a dude. And he's just living his life. And God's like, hey, move to somewhere that I'll show you. You know what Abraham does? He takes God at his word. He has faith. He packs up his things. He packs up his family and he moves, not even knowing where he's going. That that is an activated faith. Abraham believed God and so he acted. Abraham believed God and so he worked. Faith works in the life of Abraham. We're not going to leave Abraham. Next, we're told in verse 9, by faith... He, Abraham, lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Fifth point is Abraham's dwelling in a foreign land. Abraham's dwelling in a foreign land. Abraham receives this promise from God, go. He does. And you know what his life is for the next several years? Is traveling around, living in a tent, Never in one place for very long. He's living, according to verse 9, as an alien in a foreign land, dwelling in tents. Verse 10 gives us a little more context. For he, Abraham, was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abraham's just, he's, he's, he's a nomad. He's, he's walking around, no place to live. He's living in tents. You know why? Because he's looking for something. He's looking for the thing which God promised him. And he never stops looking. He couldn't see it. But that's what faith is. 
That's Abraham's faith. He can't see the promise, but God promised it. So he acts, so he works, so he lives in accordance with the promise. Abraham has faith. Well, that faith continues in, in the form of his wife. Uh, a, a, sixth, a sixth example of an activated faith is Sarah, Abraham's wife. Sarah's conception of Isaac was accomplished through faith. Look at verse 11. By faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, it's like a hundred years old. And God says, you're going to have a baby. And Sarah initially laughs. That makes sense. You can't have a baby when you're a hundred years old. But over time, we're not told this in the Old Testament. We're not told this till here. Sarah changes from scoffing to faith. She believes God. That's what we're told in verse 11. Look at the end. She considered him faithful who had promised. And it was only when she had faith that she conceived a son. It was by her faith that Sarah conceived Isaac. She believed God when he made a promise to her. She believed and he rewarded her. We're not done looking at Abraham yet, but the author here takes a quick side note and and it's it's worth jumping into. By faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive. Look at what happened as a result of her faith, this conception of a son. Therefore, there was... Born even of one man, Abraham, and him as good as dead. He was old at that. Born from Abraham were as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So because of Sarah's faith, she had Isaac and it was through Isaac that that, the Israelites were, were populated. As many as the stars in the heavens, as many as the sand of the seashore came from Sarah's faith. But look at what happens with these Israelites. We look at the whole people of Israel for just a minute. Verse 13, all of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. Okay, so what the author of Hebrews just said is there are these people, they were made a promise by God. And you know what? They never saw it fulfilled. They died before God fulfilled that promise, but they lived their lives believing that God was true and they lived their lives searching for what God had promised them. And because of that, they proved that they were not of this world. They were people of another country. That country is heaven. They were people of faith. Look at this. Verse 16. Uh, Let's start in verse 15. And indeed... If they had been thinking about that earthly country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country. That is a heavenly one. Look at this. Therefore, because of their faith, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I want us to understand this truth. The the author deviates from his by faith illustrations to drive this home. This is a fascinating, amazing statement. God is proud to be identified with those who live by faith. God is proud. 
proud to be identified with those who live on faith. Think about that statement for a second. That is unbelievable. That's what's said in verse 16. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. To those who live by faith, God looks at them and he says, I have no shame over you. I'm proud to be your God. I'm proud to be identified with you. God feels that way about those with faith. Those whose faith works. Those whose faith is proved to be genuine. God is proud to be identified with those people. The author then continues right back into his illustrations. We're still on Abraham. Look at uh, our seventh point. Our seventh point is Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. God told Abraham, Go and sacrifice your son. The one through whom all those promises we were just talking about were going to be fulfilled. Go and slay him. What Abraham does? He obeys. He acts. He takes God at his word. He goes up on a mountain to slay his son just as he's about to kill him. An angel of the Lord tells him to stop, that that was a test. You know what it was a test of? To see if Abraham had genuine faith. You know what? He did. You know how we know that? Because his faith worked. And activated faith is shown by Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. Next three, we're going to jump through together. Uh, these are all uh, kind of really in the similar, similar vein, and they're just kind of bullet points in this passage. Uh, Isaac's blessing, Jacob's blessing, and Joseph's farewell are all examples of an activated faith. Isaac's blessing, Jacob's blessing, and Joseph's farewell. Look at verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding the things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. What those three men all have in common is that they all looked to the future and trusted God's promises. And so they blessed their sons, knowing that God was going to be faithful. Joseph is dying and he says, you're going to go into the promised land. Here's what I want you to do with my bones once you get in there because he trusted God. He took God at his word and he obeyed him. Isaac's blessing, Jacob's blessing, Joseph's farewell. I've forgotten to tell you guys all of these. If you want these references, come and uh, get me afterwards, okay? Because we got to fly through these. Um, Joseph's farewell testified to that. Next, we're going to move into verse 23. Verse 23 reveals Miriam's hiding of Moses. Miriam's hiding of Moses. Verse 23 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Miriam's hiding of Moses in in the book of Exodus revealed the faith of Miriam. What happened in that scene is uh, Pharaoh commanded that all the baby boys be killed, and Miriam hid her son. She trusted that God would care for her son. Remember, she, she put him in a basket. She sent him down a river. Crazy. Because she trusted God. She believed that God had a plan for her son, and she did that by faith. We're going to continue to our next illustration. 
number 12. We're going to do a few here that all have to do with Moses. Moses' refusal of pleasure, Moses' departure from Egypt, and Moses' Passover and sprinkling. I'll explain that when I get to it. Let's read verses 24 through 28. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasure of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured and seen him who was unseen. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. Three actions that all take place over the course of just a few verses in in the book of Exodus where Moses is living his life by faith. By faith, Moses refused to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. Rather, he chooses to be associated with the Israelites. He refuses the pleasures of Egypt and chooses identification with slaves. You know why? Because he trusted God who had made him an Israelite. By faith, he leaves Egypt and he goes. And that's when he sees God at the burning bush and he returns to Egypt. He's he's no longer afraid of the king because he has faith in God. By faith, God starts commanding them to do things. And and, and the the last plague that came to Egypt, God, God says, I want you to take the Passover and I want you to put the blood of a lamb over your doorpost. And when my angel passes by, no one in your home will die. Moses obeyed. He trusted God. Moses obeyed because he had faith. Moses is still in the center of these coming ones, but it transitions to the Israelites. Our our 15th point is the Israelites crossing of the Red Sea, and our 16th point is the Israelites circling of Jericho. So we're going to look at the Israelites for just a second. The Israelites are being led by Moses out into the wilderness, and they come to a sea. God parts the sea. And the Israelites are supposed to walk through this sea with walls of water on both sides. We're told in verse 29 that the Israelites did that by faith. Which makes a whole lot of sense because there's walls of water and they're supposed to start walking. That that takes some faith, right? That takes some trust in God. That takes some belief that they're not about to die. And that's exactly what happened to the Egyptians who came after them. The walls of water came down and destroyed them. The Egyptians had no faith. But by faith, the Israelites could cross the Red Sea. They get out into the wilderness, you know what? Jericho is in their path, and they need to get through Jericho. In fact, God has them conquering Jericho. You know what he tells them to do? Circle the city seven times, and the walls are going to crash down. Again, we'll talk about needing faith to obey that. You want us to walk around a city seven times and the walls are going to fall down? All right. So they start walking around the city and you know what happens? The walls fall down of a city. They conquer the city by walking around it seven times. But here's the thing. Did walking around the city make the walls fall down? No. Their faith made the walls fall down. God, through their faith, conquered Jericho. It was by faith that they did it and God rewarded their faith. One of the people in Jericho was a woman named Rahab. 
As uh, Jericho was being spied out in verse 31, we're told that Rahab was a woman of faith. That she had, we saw this last week in James. That she had heard of what God had done in helping them cross the Red Sea. That when she saw Israelite spies, she brought them into her home. She helped them. She pointed them in the right direction. She did all that by faith. Because she had heard about the God of Israel and believed him. Well, like us, the author of Hebrews is running out of time. And so what he says in the next verses is kind of comical and it fits really well for our study tonight. Verse 32 to 34 show us Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Check this out. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. But let's look for a second at what those people did. They conquered kingdoms, verse 33, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. We don't dive into all those stories, but you know what all of them have in common? They were all done by faith. And because they were done by faith, God rewarded them. There's no shortage of stories. Number 25 and 26, we're told uh, in verse, the beginning of verse 35 that women received back their dead by resurrection. Author of Hebrews is referencing two stories in the Old Testament of two women whose sons had died and they bring them to prophets, one Elijah and one Elisha. They bring their dead sons and say, God is able to raise them from the dead. Will you do this? They believed. They had faith. You know what God did? He raised these women's sons from the dead because of their faith. And so it is by faith that two women received their sons in resurrection. We're going to hit our last two together. The last two are the persecuted and the martyrs. The persecuted and the martyrs. In verses 35 and following, we're told of any number of people throughout history who have done what they have done in faith. These are all biblical stories. I want us to read through them quickly. I think they all speak for themselves. Verse 35, women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering around in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. In those verses, he describes those who are persecuted and those who are killed for their faith. And that's only the beginning of the many illustrations in the Old Testament alone. When faith works. I want to close tonight with a few statements. It's easy to feel like conducting your life faithfully, living in a way where your faith is working itself out, makes you really weird. And it's kind of scary to take that step. You know what? There's a sense where it is. It's a bold statement. But I take you back to our original statement throughout history. Faith always leads to bold decisions of faithfulness. So, bold decisions of faithfulness put you in the company of the heroes of the faith. 
bold decisions of faithfulness put you in the company of Abraham and Noah and Moses, those who were persecuted, those who were martyrs, Joseph and Isaac and Jacob. You know, this whole list and more. The bold decisions of faith put you in their company. But can I tell you what verse 39, look at verse 39. After all these, having gained approval through their faith, they did not receive what is promised. What we're told in verse 39 is that all of these examples of faithfulness earned them the approval of God. But it wasn't the example itself that got them God's approval. Their faith caused them to receive the approval of God. Their works revealed that that faith was genuine. And so we could twist this statement just a little bit and say that bold decisions of faithfulness mark you as one who is approved by God. Bold decisions of faithfulness Don't make God approve you. They mark you as one who is approved by God. So we conclude this little study. We're going to jump into other areas of um, learning how to activate our faith. But we're wrapping up this focus on faith working by looking at the fact that throughout history, faith has always been associated with bold decisions of faithfulness. Not alone. You're in the company of the heroes of the faith. You're in the company of those marked as approved by God.